1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay
2: Packers have won the Super Bowl.
3: The
1: Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best, the best analysis, the best interviews, the best coverage, and no one delivers like the Bill Michaels huddle.
4: Welcome! We are glad you are with us tonight. The Bill Michaels Huddle It's presented by our good friends over there at Bud Light Seltzer. Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Brewed with that unique five-step filtration process ensures a cleaner finish and no lingering aftertaste and only 100 calories. Go to BudLight.com. The Green Bay Packers 4-2 all-time against the Jacksonville Jaguars, including wins in both of the last couple of matchups back in 2012 and in 2016. We'll break it all down tonight. Joining me rookie from the fan in green bay 107.5 fm 1400 am wduz fine affiliate rookie how you doing
3: i'm doing well bill thank you very much for having me tonight
4: we are glad you were with us and then we've got eric brancheck of the green bay press gazette on the air with us as well tonight eric how you doing brother oh we're doing great we are doing great you? So, uh, I'm doing good. I, I'm fired up. We got a good. We finally got a good matchup on Thursday night, even though last Thursday night's game was a good one for the Packers. But tonight you've got Tennessee and Indianapolis, uh, both of those teams battling for the top spot in their division. You've got a good Monday night game with the Bears and the Vikings, and then obviously good football coming up this weekend. Rookie, I'll start with you. Is there anything about the Jacksonville Jaguars that gives you trepidation as far as a trap game goes?
3: None at all. Um I don't know if I believe in trap games to begin with. You know, we talk to the guys in the locker room enough. They'll tell you that they don't have – they don't believe in trap games, that they don't look ahead. Uh, there is nothing that leads me to believe that this would be a trap game. And if, there, if it ever was a trap game, they should have learned from past experiences uh, when, with what happened to Tampa Bay and with what happened to Minnesota. And Eric, let me ask you: uh, when, when you look at this Packers team going
4: into this contest, the Packers have been only beaten by teams that were either on the same level or better than them. How has it been that Matt Lafleur has avoided that that clunker of a game?
0: Well, it's a it's preparation number one, and number two, you get the, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the league. And when you have a subpar opponent or someone who doesn't game plan as as well as. Uh, uh, the guys in Minnesota do then uh, I think it's kind of a want I don't want to say a walk in the park but certainly makes it a, a little bit more of a challenge I mean honestly it's it's the quarterback
4: um, rookie when you look at this team and the offense seems to be coming back together it looks like Bakhtiari is going to play I don't know if we're going to get Lazard back this week or next week Aaron Jones is now healthy you're going to have guys coming back from the COVID list at full strength, and I was asked this during the pregame tonight when I was doing some Facebook Live, can Matt LaFleur scheme this team offensively to a Super Bowl?
3: Um, boy, that's a really tough question, a real good question. I don't think he can scheme them to a Super Bowl with just offense. Uh, The defense needs to pick it up. Even if the defense could get to the level that they played last year, and we've heard Aaron Rodgers this week talk about how the defense kind of carried them at the beginning of last year, and it's been offense this year. If they could even get the type of play that they had out of the defense last year, they'd be in a much better position. They've tried outscoring opponents before to win a Super Bowl, and it hasn't worked. So if you're talking about the big picture, I don't think there is a way they they can outscore their way to the Super Bowl. Uh, Eric, let me ask you, do you think that this defense has it in them to be able – There
4: you go. We've got callers already. Do you think this defense has it in them to be able to do just enough, to support the offense just enough? With the way we look at the NFC right now, as open as it is, the Saints getting a win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and such, does this defense have just enough to get them there?
0: Gosh, that's another tough question. Uh, thanks a lot for that one, by the way. <laughs> uh, I – Kevin King comes back, um, and they can figure out a way to get their outside guy on the line of scrimmage to uh, to close down and play the run once in a while. It's possible, but boy, that's a you're asking an awful lot. I think they're going to have to win a game defensively in the playoffs, and I don't know if they have they have the uh, firepower to do it.
4: Uh, I like the defense, uh, and I specifically like the secondary, and we hope that you got Jair Alexander and Kevin King. Otherwise, there are some wideouts that are presented via the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars this weekend, rookie, that, look, if you got anybody throwing them the ball that even can get them close to the target, Jacksonville's got some good wideouts. Now, if you don't have Jair and you don't have Kevin King, with Chark and Conley and uh, Chenault, obviously, even though Chenault's ailing a little bit, was on the injury report this week, do you think they could do some damage against that secondary?
3: Uh no. Um I, I look this should be a route in my opinion. I I they got a backup quarterback playing. They don't have much of a running game. Uh they may have a little talented wide receiver. To me, this is a game that the defense can at least feel good about themselves or should feel good about themselves coming out of this game. Now, as fans, I, I would expect them to shut down Jacksonville, and I actually think that they need to have a walk in the park. Like Eric talked about, you know, I don't know if it'd be a walk in the park or not, but they need a walk in the park, and they need to polish off a team a little bit like what Tampa Bay did to them. I'm talking you need a 38-10 to 10 victory, something like that. And then, you know, give at least the defense some positive vibes. Can't fall into the trap of it being fool's gold because it is just Jacksonville, but they need to have some successes to build upon to maybe get better like we were just talking about as the playoffs get closer and closer. I don't think there's anything that Jacksonville can do in this game to keep it close, and they shouldn't. It should be a a total demolition by the Packers, and I'd be disappointed if it wasn't. We're a couple of weeks away from the Bears. You got Indianapolis, the next foe after Jacksonville, Eric. And uh,
4: while it's not some kind of a, a a murderer's row, you get through the next few games. You beat up on Chicago. At that point, you're pretty much in a commanding lead. Depending, obviously, what happens to a resurgent uh, Minnesota Vikings. Does this team? Do you feel that? Have you adjusted your predictions at all when it comes to the the first half of the season versus the second half? Are you still thinking 12 and four, 13 and three, something like that?
0: Yeah, I think that or the worst case scenario is they split with the Bears and they go eleven and five. I I think a lot of people are looking past uh, Indianapolis. I think that's going to be a little bit of a challenge for them, and here's why: they run the ball pretty good, and they got a defense that can play. Yeah. So I I I feel like that's the that's the bigger obstacle is they need to get by that team, and then you know hopefully they don't just have a letdown against the Bears uh, once. And I think they should do it. I mean twelve and Twelve and four would be great. Um, Eleven and five would be okay. But here's the reality: if they want to have a chance to get to the big show, they got to be playing in Green Bay. They got to have that one seed, and everybody's got to come to Green Bay in January because that's not a treat for someone like the Saints or Tampa Bay. I mean, that's a that's a, a bad deal. Now, a few years back, if you remember, the Falcons came up here, and everybody thought that would be a, a uh, just a, a, a blowout and they came up and put a shellacking on the Packers in the playoffs uh, on a Saturday night. Um, but I, I really think, you know, 12 and four. Yeah, they, that should do it. But I think they gotta, they gotta get Indianapolis. They got to get the bears twice um, and then just kind of roll the dice and see how it goes. But they got to figure out a way to get to 12 and four because uh, that I think 12 and four or 13 and three will get everything going through green Bay. What do you think?
4: Well, let me ask you this, and, Rookie, I'll throw this over to you. Going off of what Eric stated, I know you would want a home game, but if you don't have fans in the stands and you're not great at stopping the run, and we all know that in the cold weather you want to run the football, teams are going to want to run the football, would it behoove the Packers not to be the top seat and to play a game on the road or two, preferably in a dome or in a warmer climate, to have their offense be more effective and their defense then – be a little bit more effective as opposed to stopping the run.
3: Well, I think they can be effective in the cold weather in Green Bay. Um, We've seen it in the past. I think really what determines things here in Green Bay, weather-wise, is the wind. We've heard them talk about how the the cold doesn't really affect them, the the wet doesn't really affect them, the rain, but it's the wind. And then we probably saw some of that in the loss to Minnesota when it was just gusting like crazy at Lambeau that probably took them a little bit out of their offense. To me, the only place they can't go in the playoffs, I don't know if they have to have the number one seed, but the one place that they can't travel in my opinion in the playoffs is new orleans
4: yeah i think new orleans uh, and new orleans uh, apparently is uh, eventually going to start allowing fans and there was some talk i was reading down there in the uh, picayune that they were going to start allowing fans in in the next month so i don't know if it's gonna be the next home game or a couple down the road but they're hoping to get fans in there the next month which we know who that nation can come in, whether it's 20,000 or 50,000, they can be extremely loud. Let's do this. We're going to step away and take a quick break because I do want to continue on with this discussion. Also, right now there's a a lot of consternation about who is the front runner for the MVP. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers' place in that group as well. Tonight we've got the rookie from the fan at 107.5 FM and 1400 AM in Green Bay on WDUZ, Eric Baranchek at the Green Bay Press-Gazette and PackersNews.com here as well. This is the Bill Michaels Huddle. It's presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. We'll be back right after this. Sixteen
1: stations strong, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
5: To be six and two right now with the injuries that we've had and, and the circumstances feels really good. Um, we're not going to relax. We get complacent though. We got a we got a tough road ahead of us and and some big dreams down there. Yep, it's on.
4: There you go. That is Aaron Rodgers talking about uh, the start of the season being 6-2 and two at this point. Welcome back. The Bill Michael Suttle continues on and presented by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, and strawberry flavors. Go to BudLight.com to see all that they have to offer. A rookie from the fan in Green Bay, WDUZ, and Eric Branchek of the Green Bay Press-Gazette alongside tonight. Guys, despite being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL since he came into the league, Russell Wilson has notoriously never Received a vote for the NFL MVP award. Now, according to the sports books, that's going to change this year. For the first time ever, he is the favorite to become the NFL MVP, at least according to Bavada. At 31 years old, the second favorite, Patrick Mahomes, then uh, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Tom Brady, and on down the line from there, including uh, Lamar Jackson, Derrick Henry, Drew Brees, and company. Dalvin Cook is now creeping up on that list as well. Is Aaron Rodgers, with what's remaining on the uh, on the docket, uh, and we know it's a regular season award, and the fact that he really doesn't face a really staunch defense short of the Bears the rest of the way. I know you're going to see a good defense against Indianapolis. I don't think it's as good as the Bears, but they've got a good one. Tennessee's not a bad defense. they got a better offense than they do defense. Um, does Aaron Rodgers, do you think, because Russell Wilson has to play through that uh, that NFC West, does Aaron Rodgers sneak into this thing and win the MVP? Rookie, I'll start
3: with you. Well, at this pace, I would think he would. If he com- continues with the numbers that he's put up in the first half, I don't know why he wouldn't be a front runner. It's amazing that Russell Wilson's never received a vote. I think early on he was uh, the front runner. Um, I, th- I think it's either Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, to be honest with you. Um, 25 touchdowns, one interception for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, obviously, he has just a ton of weapons in Kansas City. Um, Aaron Rodgers probably has fewer weapons. Russell Wilson probably accounts for more of the percentage of his team's offense. Three-horse race, um, It's it rarely goes to anybody that's not the quarterback, so I don't know how how likely it is that Delvin Cook would win it, but I would certainly put Rodgers... I, uh, if you pick a favorite, it can't be a big favorite. Like you're taught, you're like some of the odds that you were giving there. It's got to be basically a three-horse race right now. Eric,
0: oh, I th- I agree with rookie there. That uh, I think it's going to be tough to beat him out for the MVP as long as he stays healthy. And as long as the O-line can continue to do what they've been doing, even without David Bakhtiari, I mean, that's the the part that's impressive to me. And and the other thing that I find really impressive is the two games they lost, they had Devontae Adams. So I think the the way that they can – the way that he's going to – his road to the MVP is just continue on. He ends the season with four or or fewer interceptions, and that offensive line can keep him upright like they have been for the most part. I think it's it's going to be okay. I think I really think he's he's got a legitimate shot this year.
4: I, I want to go back to something that you, know, that you just said, Eric. I'll come back to you because you talked about without David Bakhtiari, which leads me into some of the unsung heroes on this team. You look at Ricky Wagner and, and what he's done, uh, some of the role players on this team. Ricky Wagner is obviously one of the first guys you think of. Uh, I think of guys like, uh, obviously, Jamal Williams, who came in and, and filled in admirably without uh, Aaron Jones. Some of the unsung guys, is this team a little bit deeper and a little bit better? Because sometimes they always say, you know, you, you, your starters are going to get you there, but your depth is going to win you a championship. Is this team deeper than we give it credit for?
0: At certain positions, absolutely. I think a lot of it has to do, too, with the way that their locker room is. If You know, if you've got a bunch of guys that are really together, then the next man up philosophy actually means something rather than, uh, you know, this is the old cliche, next man up, next man up. But if you are a locker room and by all – accounts it sounds like that locker room is very tight knit that makes a big difference and you look at guys I mean Lucas Patrick that who would have thought that he's having the season he is having I, I mm-hmm. by my count I think he has the most pancake blocks on the team and uh, in, in Elton Jenkins I mean he went out to start played at tackle he's played at guard you know they finished some time on Sunday at center a little bit but I tell you what that young man he is a stud and and they are really playing well on it up front with a bunch of guys that, you know, even everybody gives Billy Turner a hard time. And this year his numbers are really good. He's in the top 10 up for, as far as tackles go and pass protection. Um, so I, you know, in, in Wagner's he's not in the top 10, but he's pretty darn good and he's filled in. Uh, I, I don't think you can, you know, some of the bigger, top uh, rushers in the league that they would have trouble it, I think with uh, at that spot but you know they didn't have to face Nick Bosa and D Ford last week and you know so some of it has been a little bit of luck but really uh I, I think so and I think the look at the linebacker position where the heck did this Chris Barnes come from all of a right. sudden he's, he's you know he's playing good football um, and who would have thought that, uh, Josh Jackson would be playing. Like he has everybody, they roll him out there and everybody starts shaking in their boots and he's had a tremendous, tremendous, uh, season so far. So, yeah, I think, uh, uh, I think they're a little bit deep, but I, I really feel like the emotional aspect of being part of a good locker room and that next man up mentality means something, at least from my experience and, and to see them go out there and, and do what they're doing is, I think is really impressive.
4: So, Rookie, that leads me to my next question. When you look defensively speaking, just of some of the guys that uh, that Eric reeled off and the way you, you get out at Kenny Clark, uh, the way they've moved some guys around up front, the way they've been able to kind of you know manipulate the, the secondary to be one of the better secondaries in the league, do we give Mike Pettin a lot of credit for all of that, or do people just get mad at Mike Pettin because the defense at times just can't stop the run and apparently doesn't tackle fundamentally very well?
3: Yeah, I think they get mad at Mike Pettin because of that, and it's always easier to fire the coach than the players, but it's the old chicken and the egg. I mean, do they really have the talent to be a top-notch defense? I – I say no. I'm I'm not impressed with the defense to be honest with you. Um I I know some guys have done some things good, but I don't think enough. I'm not a big fan of Josh Jackson. I think he's a penalty waiting to happen. They need to upgrade next to Kenny Clark. I talked to I do a show with Kenny Clark every Wednesday night here. So I talk to him on a regular basis and and he won't really admit it, but I know the he he admitted to me Uh, the other day that he's disappointed in the way he's played so far. He thinks he's playing well, but he's not being as disruptive and as productive as maybe he was a year ago. And part of that is he's just getting about 100% with the groin injury. He doesn't want to use that as an excuse, but it is a fact, but they still need additional defensive line help next to him. I'm unimpressed with the uh, linebacking core and, you know, Kevin King is a a total upgrade over Josh Jackson, obviously, when he's healthy. But, man, you just can't count on him. I I think I'm less impressed with the defense than what what Eric might be and maybe some others.
4: Eric, let me tell you this. The the defense, according to Pro Football Focus, when you break it down, overall they are sitting at number 19 right now. Their run defense uh, obviously is worse. It's sitting at number 21. Their pass rush – by the way, the pass rush for the Green Bay Packers, sitting at number 19 overall. But their coverage unit, you figure, is really, really good. They're 15th. And part of that is because of injuries, and part of that is because that they've had some problems covering the middle when you go back to what Rookie said regarding the linebacking position. So as good as they are at positions, I think you and I have both talked about this. You're only as good as your weakest link. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, for sure. And, and you know, Rookie, don't get me wrong. I'm not giving any of these guys a defensive player of the year that I rattled out. But when you look at, at least from my perspective, when they lost uh, Kirksey at linebacker, I was I was burning the boat down. Okay, we're the arc was on fire and we were out in the middle of the sea. And then this Chris Barn comes up and he's at least serviceable and it is actually it made some decent plays and could be an undrafted free agent. I thought that was a pretty good uh, uh, opportunity for that guy to, to to show up and whoever got him on that team, that I was a savior because he really has helped all guys. If it would have been Ty Summers out there this whole time and no Barnes, it would have, you know, if you're talking about rush defense at 19, that would have been at 30. You know, those guys, you know, that linebacking core is held together with duct tape and, and popsicle sticks. So, yeah, I, I agree. The defense is, is, is a little bit scary. And I, honestly, I thought there would be a bigger step up in Kiki. Um, and that really has not transpired. He's still making young mistakes of over-penetrating and, looking silly on times but the one guy tyler lancaster who is playing at probably the highest level that he is at i mean he's probably playing at his ceiling he's not overly gifted physically he's a strong guy try hard guy not real quick not a lot of fast twitch but he's playing not too bad he's just he's just a fundamentally sound guy that doesn't make a lot of stupid mistakes but they but rookies right they do need a big I think they need a big run stopper, a 330 guy that demands a double team from the center and the guard or from the tackle and, and guard. So that will free up the backers a little bit. And, and, and unfortunately, it is, that's the missing piece on that defense, in my opinion.
4: Is the uh, rookie, I'll come back to you before we break, but you look at the rankings. Jair Alexander, Kingsley Kiki, Zadaria Smith, and Tyler Lancaster, the four best defenders the Packers have via pro football focus total overall grades. Then Adrian Mamos, Kamal Martin, you go down the list, down the list, down the list, and number 17, you look at Preston Smith. If Preston Smith was having the same season he had
3: last year, how good would his defense be? Well, it'd be... Better. I don't know how if they'd be markedly better. I mean, obviously we saw you know, he's been dropping into coverage a little bit, which seemed weird to me because he's you know, he's brought in to wreak havoc on the quarterback, and then we saw that when he got pressure against Mullins against San Francisco, he forced a turnover and interception. So they gotta get him going. I think they'd be a little bit better. You know, Zedarius, if you take a look at Zedarius's numbers and prorate him out, he would have one more tackle and one more sack than what he had a year ago, which was a phenomenal year for him. But he has seven sacks have you seen seven quieter sacks in the NFL this year than what no. Z has done? Um, they'd be a little bit better, but they need – Kenny's got to get his form back from last year. Everybody that everybody that played really well last year on defense has to get back to that form, and you still need another two or three guys to step up, in my opinion. And I don't know you if you got- are going to be able to do that in the, the next eight games.
4: Yeah, you got guys like Christian Kirksey, who has not played a lot, obviously. Josh Jackson, who is starting to be on the come, and his numbers are starting to come up. Obviously, Darnell Savage Jr. numbers starting to come up. But you need those guys to get back to that level. I completely agree. Let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Aaron Rodgers said something rather interesting. I want to expound upon it when we come back as well. This is the Bill Michaels Huddle. It's brought to you by our good friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Rookie from the fan in Green Bay joining us. Eric Baranchek from the Green Bay Press-Gazette here as well. We'll be back right after this.
1: Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
2: You know, this has definitely been an extreme one. Obviously, every season has its unique, uh, you know, unique challenges. But um, it seems like every every week, every few days, even um, you know, there's there's a new protocol, new something that we have to address and make sure that we're uh, keeping our masks on. You know, kind of all over the building, um, not really dwelling or thinking about it too much, and just trying to you know, just trying to you know, keep their head in their playbook and uh, you know, play ball through it. Those are the words of Mason Crosby. Talking about what it's
4: like right now playing in such a weird, weird time with COVID running rampant and and really spiking in the state of Wisconsin and Talking about all the protocols and things they have to go through. Welcome back to the program. It's a Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, strawberry. All you got to do is go to BudLight.com to see all that they have to offer. Rookie from the fan in Green Bay joining us. 1075 FM and 1400 AM and WDUZ there. Eric Branchek of the Green Bay Press Gazette here tonight as well. And, uh, Rookie, I'm going to go back over to you. And I want you to take a listen to this. Aaron Rodgers had this to say. Earlier yesterday, about Nathaniel Hackett and how much he enjoys him.
5: There, there's nobody in the building that brings me more joy or uh, is more fun to be around than Nathaniel Hackett. Um, you know, we got some great guys, you know, some guys I've enjoyed playing with for a long time. Uh, I knew based on his friendship with AVP, Alex Van Pelt, uh, that we were going to be friends just because Alex. He's such a great dude, and, and him and I had such a great friendship. Uh, I just knew Hack and I were going were gonna to bond, but he's become, you know, uh, such a close confidant and friend um, besides a fantastic coach. And I just really, really can't uh, express enough how important he is to our team in so many ways. Uh, he's incredible in front of a room. Uh, He brings a lot of great energy that's really important to not just meetings that can sometimes, uh, you know, without the energy he infuses, uh, maybe get long at times, never feels that way with him in front of the room. And for that matter, with Steno and and J.O. in front of the room, but Hack has really embraced the idea of celebration together as well, which I think is such a vital part of us coming together and being a close-knit group. Um, I think he's got a great mind. Uh, obviously, I'm a little biased because he comes from the the old school West Coast tree, and feeling like I grew up in the West Coast offense as well uh, with Mike and and uh, Mike Sherman and Mike McCarthy. Um, you know, I have a lot of affection for some of those old West Coast, West Coast plays, and and I do have a dialogue with his father, Paul, um, usually about specific West Coast concepts, but. Uh, Hack has been uh, a really important part of our culture change, and a part of uh, our success on offense. I love him. Hope he doesn't go anywhere, unless I do.
4: There you go. That's the <laughs> little bit of shade he throws in at the very end. And Aaron doesn't say anything unless he means it. So he pauses, and then throws that in. So uh, is that one of those? Uh, is that one of those classic Aaron Rodgers shots uh, backhandedly towards the organization who started the clock ticking? At least we believe so
3: probably so as you said he 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 means what he says and he says what he means in roundabout ways um do i think he's going to finish his career in green bay i don't um so but is he going anywhere in the next couple of years i don't think so uh but i'm sure he's always getting those little digs in those little shots in so i'm sure that was calculated uh, Eric, when
4: you heard that, uh, did, is that just classic Rogers? You just kind of smile and and go, okay, a uh, nice jab, or do you think, okay, this guy, he's already in his head planning for the time that he's not here?
0: Well, I don't want to get. I don't think it's it's that bad, but I tell you what, rookies around here, he sees and hears enough of uh, uh, of old Mister Rogers and some of the things that he's got to say, and you got to read between the lines sometimes. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, kind of a tongue-in-cheek ca- kind of thing. I, you know, I don't I don't put a whole lot of stock into it. But, yeah, I would say a little bit of tongue-in-cheek there.
4: If he ends up winning, uh, Rookie, if he ends up winning another MVP, I guess my question is how do you let him go? How do you just say,
3: okay, enough, we're going to move on? You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, and I don't know how you do that. I honestly don't. But – I think they're hell-bent on doing it otherwise you wouldn't have drafted Jordan Love. I mean it goes look it goes back to the whole Brett Favre thing. Brett Favre had that great year in 2007. Uh the NFC Championship game obviously was kind of vintage Brett Favre too. That's kind of tongue in cheek uh with the interception, but who thought they'd really move on from Brett Favre after that year? You know, we've 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 talked about the parallels before. I think they're I think they are bent on moving on with Aaron in a couple of years how they do it I don't know I don't know why you would do it but I think they're going to do it
4: uh getting back to this season uh look I think he's playing at an incredible level right now he seems more comfortable right now is this uh Eric you and I have talked about this a couple of different times is this uh, an Aaron Rodgers who Went away in the offseason and found himself or a guy that just said, you know what, I, I really believe in what Matt LaFleur is doing. I'm buying in. I'm going to show you how it's run. This is. I mean, there, there's so many different things and so many different ways to kind of analyze, maybe overanalyze what Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur have going on. But this is about as comfortable and about as, as going back to Surgeon and ask that I can ever remember him looking if you go back to 2010, the end of that season, and even in the beginning of 2011.
0: I, I... – <laughs> I said this before and, and I, I, I would stand by, I think this is his proverbial given the, the brass over there at 12, 6, the middle finger saying, okay, you guys want to, you guys want to play? I'll play with you. And I think he um, took to heart of, of, of some of the things that he knows he probably needed to do. There's things that are way better this year than he has been in a while is, uh, his footwork is, you know, everybody talks about, oh his footwork is footwork. But if you really know what you're looking at and understand it, his footwork is way better. He still has the arm talent where it doesn't matter on some throws what his feet look like. But, but like like some lesser quarterbacks, their feet gotta be perfect in order for them to be success. He's got enough arm talent he could throw off his back. And then that's the we've almost seen that in some some instances. But I think he focused on what he needed to do to get better so that he can flip the proverbial bird to the to the brass and say you want to get rid of me and go back to what rookie was saying I'm not so much worried about the Packers moving on from Aaron Rodgers as I am worried about Aaron Rodgers moving on from the Packers
4: which is a very good point rookie I'll ask you the only thing that this team has not been able to do under Matt LaFleur is get down by a couple of scores and come storming back and take a lead and hold on to a lead Is that what we're looking for that then tells everybody that this team is legit and does have that ability to go deep into the postseason and
3: beyond? Well, I don't know if that's an indictment of the offense. You know, when you get down by a couple of touchdowns that you can't, can't come back as it is the defense maybe not being able to get a big stop and get off the field and get the football back for Aaron Rodgers and the offense or come up with that big turnover. Um, would you like to see him be able to rally? Uh, absolutely. Um, do I think they can do it? They certainly have the offense to do it. But it to me, it kind of goes back to the defense. So if, if the team starts rallying and, and you need to come up with that big stop or get that big turnover, can the defense do it? And I don't know if they can. So they're better off not falling behind at this point. I look at this
4: uh, this offense, uh, Eric, and, and I think you know what would make me feel better is if they – and we talked about this when they played Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay smashed them in the mouth. They rushed Aaron Rodgers. They beat him up. And then all of a sudden it seemed to go back to they were looking downfield. They were all over the place. It didn't have the same flow. Granted, they were missing Tyler Irvin. Is Tyler Irvin really – and I want to take a side note to this. Is Tyler Irvin – one of the also unsung heroes of, of, of this, kind of the, the, the role player guys of this season, when you look at when he's in there, the motion he creates, the movement he creates, the misdirection he creates?
0: No, absolutely not. I, that doesn't – you can have anybody doing that kind of stuff. That, that's not scary. The difference is when they lost to the Vikings and they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they couldn't get him out of that too deep zone. And then they got behind by 14 points or whatever it was. Then they really couldn't get out of it because they started throwing it. And Tampa said, We're just not going to let you beat, it, beat us deep. We're going to keep everything in front of you. And then the Vikings didn't, ha- against the Vikings, I believe had Aaron Jones been healthy, they would have won the game uh, because he's got enough wiggle and he's got a, the opportunity to, to break one. Where Jamal Williams is kind of, he's good back, doesn't do a lot of bad things, but he doesn't have that extra wiggle. He doesn't have that extra gear to make it make defenses have to bring that safety into the box and you all know how deadly Aaron Rodgers is and how he looks at secondaries when there's one high safety he's looking to the edge all game long he's looking to the numbers and the sideline to make those big plays when there's two safeties there it's it's a, it's like a mental block for him and and rightfully so he doesn't want to throw a pick and when you have two two deep guys and you want to go deep that's really tough to, to you know to go the entire game without throwing a pick so yeah, I, I think the 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 biggest hurdle for them is they just got to score points early and get teams uh, to have to throw the ball, and then they can sit back and cover.
4: Uh, let's do this. We'll step away, take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue on. Packers getting ready to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars this Sunday at Lambeau Field. We've got Eric Branchek of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, rookie from the fan in Green Bay, joining me on the Bill Michaels Huddle, brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. A lot more of the Bill Michaels Huddle coming up right after this.
1: Wisconsin-wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
0: It's tough when, you know, you play against the Vikings and then the numbers are
2: are saying that they ran however many yards they ran and... And then the defensive line looks like they play bad and we need this guy and this guy to stop the run. I think we've been really playing,
0: playing really good football. If you really actually watch film and turn on the tape, uh, I think we've been knocking guys back
4: and been getting all blocks. Those are the words of Kenny Clark. Welcome back to the program. Talking about the defense in general and uh, some of the perceptions versus what he actually thinks. And uh, joined now by the uh, the rookie from the fan in Green Bay, our fine affiliate there, Eric Branchek of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, the Bill Michaels Huddle, brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer, naturally carbonated, gluten-free, and includes no artificial flavors. Go to BudLight.com. 67 missed tackles through the first portion of this season, guys. So is tackling, yes or no, actually uh, an issue? Kenny Clark would take, would take uh, a little bit of offense to that. Eric, I'll start with you.
0: Of course it is, but I don't think it's just confined to the Packers. I mean, everybody in the league, I think, is struggling to tackle. They changed some of the the rules, and they changed the way they teach tackling now. You know, you remember the old get your head across the ball carrier, and now it's, you know, just put your arms in chest, give him a little hug, and hopefully he falls down. Uh, But really, some of the the tackles has been a little egregious, and surprisingly so from Savage. Um, He's got to clean his stuff up, and. Um, you know, some of that can be can be changed, but you know, I believe this: you either got the heart to tackle, or you don't. And I think they just need to find guys when they're drafting guys to find guys that like to stick their nose in there and tackle.
3: Uh, rookie. I agree with that last part that Eric said. It's a mentality. Either you want to tackle or you don't. It's been a big problem. Look, I've been here 21 years covering the Packers. I can't think of one season where I said, man, that's a pretty good tackling football team. It's always been a problem, and it's amazing to me that they haven't been able to fix it. And I think Eric's right. Either you want to get dirty and stick your nose in there and get bloodied a little bit making a hard tackle, or you don't. And it seems to me that they don't. These They get guys that don't really want to tackle.
4: When you look, rookie, I'll come back to you. When you look at this team, and, and we were talking about the numbers uh, defensively they put up with sacks specifically last year, they're they're sitting, uh, you know, with with nowhere near what this team should have, and the pressure they've been putting on quarterbacks. I'm looking at some of the grades on Pro Football Focus right now, and some of the rushes, some of the forces that they've had. It, it's just it's not the same. It, now I know they're trying to set the edge, and I know they're trying to be better at the run, and I, I get all of that. And there's times that it's just befuddling to me why they're not putting more big bodies. in in the trenches but the way this defense is schemed can you look and we talked about this a little bit earlier but i see i don't always think it's easy just to point at uh, at mike pett and go well it's the scheme i do question it at times but when you see the arm tackles you can see guys that are just not in the right place at the right time that they're still heading to the gap but they're not at the gap in the, in the right time It makes me harken back to what Matt LaFleur and Mike Pettin said in the offseason that, well, we don't need to upgrade the defense because it's just about guys knowing where they're supposed to be. Do we still get the sense that guys don't know where they're supposed to be?
3: Well, if they're not in the right gap, I yeah, I mean, you know, one of the one of the knocks on the Pettin defense too when he was hired as defensive coordinator, that it was very compli it was a very complicated defense, and it was going to take some time to learn, and and that's why you know maybe Tremont Williams was going to be a good asset because he'd been in the, in the Pettin defense before, and. I mean, is it still too complicated? Have they dummied it down enough for these guys to to figure it out and, and understand it? Because you're right, Bill. It's a constant conversation about being in the right gap and everybody doing their 111th. That's the motto since Matt LaFleur became the head coach. Everybody do your 111th. And people aren't doing 111, and, and how can you not get that figured out? They say they're going to. You get the same excuse every time they have a bad game or somebody gets a, a, a big run or a big screen pass. See Alvin Kamara and Delvin Cook. You talk to the guys and go, well, we look at the tape, and it's just somebody get, they got out of their gap. It's all very correctable. Well, if it's all very correctable, then correct it, please, because this has been an ongoing problem is
4: it just fundamentally right now Eric that you don't see I mean we we talk about it but I try to listen to other post game shows and I try to listen to other shows during the week and they'll talk about a missed tackle here a missed tackle there I I think it's something that fans constantly complain about because if you see somebody just basically miss one, uh, that's the one that you'll circle and remember for the rest of your day and the rest of your week until the very next game, and then it all gets washed away. So are we talking about something that's just common throughout the league because the league is just – they don't practice it anymore, they don't hit anymore, and I hate to make excuses for it, but it's just something that's – it's kind of like strikeouts in baseball. If you miss a tackle, you you hate it, but – it's not, it's not, it doesn't throw you in the spotlight anymore. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, I, I still firmly believe that uh, I do think it throws in the spotlight because it is very frustrating. And, it, and you see guys not being in the right spot. So, you know, rookie was saying that the defense was a little bit tough to, to pick up. And um, obviously, you know, this year, not having much of an extended offseason. Definitely showed, especially with some of the young, stupid rookie mistakes that they're making. When you got two linebackers, two rookie linebackers blitzing the same gap at the same time, basically nullifying each other. You know, that's is that a, is that either one of those guys are they are they stupid? Is it are they not able to uh, understand what Pettin wants? Is Pettin far too complicated? All those things kind of come into it. And if you're thinking too much, you can't make the tackle because you're so worried about where the heck you're supposed to be. How do you be prepared and come to balance to make the tackle? I, I that's 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 the age-old question. So keep it simple, stupid. Get off the dang field, and by by golly, stop the stupid throw. Your body at him. Wrap up. Do the old-fashioned, you know, wrap up and get them to the ground rather than trying to to kind of do some sort of weird throw your body at him and get hurtled and all these other things that we're seeing. I mean, it's 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 basic fundamentals when you're coming to tackling come to balance, stick your nose in there, get it done
4: one hour down another hour yet to go we're going to talk about the rest of the nfc north we want to hit on the special teams a little bit as well as when you look at the grades and eh, they're a little bit iffy when you start to talk about special teams overall some of the performance is really good others same old same old we'll get into that when we come back also to make our picks around the rest of the nfl got a good one coming up tonight indianapolis and tennessee taking one another on both of these teams are going to be on the packers docket for the remainder of the games they have in two weeks they face indianapolis and then obviously the second to last game of the Season They're going to face Tennessee back at Lambeau Field and try to stop the run, and uh, Derrick Henry there as well. So that is all coming up in the second hour of the program. The Bill Michaels Huddle is brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. It's brewed with a unique five-step filtration process that ensures a cleaner finish and no lingering aftertaste. Only 100 calories for all the info. Go to BudLight.com. The rookie from the fan in Green Bay at 107.5 FM, 1400 AM, and also our buddy Eric Brancheck of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Both of those guys are here hanging out with me tonight. We have one more hour yet to go. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michaels Huddle coming up right after this.
1: Michael's Sports Talk Network. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green
2: Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl.
3: The Lombardi Trophy is coming home.
1: Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis, the best interviews, the best coverage, and no one delivers like the Bill Michaels huddle.
4: Number two, the Bill Michael Suttle. We are glad to have you back. Uh, thanks so much, uh, as always, for joining us on this Thursday night. The Bill Michael Suttle brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Only 100 calories. Cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, strawberry flavors. Go to BudLight.com. That's BudLight.com. Rookie from the fan in Green Bay at 107.5 FM, 1400 AM, WDUZ. they joining us tonight. Also, Eric Branchek of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. And uh, guys, uh, one thing we didn't touch on in the first hour has been special teams. And when you look at the special teams overall, when it ranks against other teams, it ranks in the bottom third of the league. Now, that doesn't mean you're missing a bunch of kicks out of Mason Crosby and J.K. Scott isn't putting the ball well and dropping it inside the 20 and inside the 10. But basically, you get style points because of returns, because of tackles, because of coverage and and such. And, Rookie, I'll start with you. We talk about this every year. With the way the game has gone and very few people actually taking the ball out anymore, what what else do you think the Packers need to do in the special teams area to help this team out?
3: Well, maybe some punt returns. You're right. You know, the kickoff returns aren't awful when they do return them. Tyler Irvin's averaging just shy of 20 yards. He's got seven returns. Darius Shepard averaging 22 yards. He's got four returns. Um, You know, I don't know if you get a little riskier on punt returns or what have you, but if you recall last year, they were actually in negative yardage returns on punts until Tyler Irvin came on board and got him into positive territory, but he hasn't done much this year. Um, He's got a long of 11, only four returns for a total of 20 yards. I don't know if you take more risks or what you do, because you're right. You don't bring it out of the end zone anymore. You don't return kickoffs as much as you used to. So you got to find a way to do it with the punt return, I guess. Eric, they haven't been
4: good in the return game really since, and if I remember correctly, Alan Rossum. Alan Rossum was kind of like the last guy that really was a legit threat when they picked him up. They haven't had that returner, uh, and I like Tyler Irvin, I do, but they haven't had that returner. In a while, and is it just as, as, as simple as finding the right guy to return kicks and punts, or how difficult is it?
0: Well, correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, and I'm, according to, to uh, my wife, I'm wrong quite a bit. So, <laughs> um, I think Micah Hyde was the last time the last Packer to return a punt for a touchdown. I mean, I think that's fairly accurate.
4: Yeah, you're probably right. I, I don't know.
0: I don't know if, if if it's personnel or if it's scheme, but you know, I you're right. they don't have that electrifying guy that you when you're lining up to punt the ball where you're going. Oh, we gotta we gotta figure this guy out. They just don't have that guy, and and, and you know, oh yeah, Tyler Irvin's pretty good and he's all he's all right, but he's not electrifying. And you look at look at uh, the Super Bowl years with with Favre there when they had. Uh, they had Howard running back kickoffs and mm-hmm. running punts and stuff. I think that's a big piece that a lot of people forget about on this football team, that you know, special teams are special for a reason, but not on this team. They're just
4: teams. When you look at the grades uh, of special teamers on this team, you look at the, the one guy that doesn't get hardly any credit, uh, Jamal Williams is very, very good on special teams. The other guy, when it comes to tackle snaps and what he's doing, rookie, even though he's not showing up in the box score when it comes to playing middle linebacker, Oren Burks has been a really good special teamer. I, how, In your estimation, how come that just doesn't translate to him being a better defender?
3: Well, I, you should ask the coaching staff that because that's a fantastic question. I mean, because you're right, he does seem to make some nice tackles on special teams, but it just doesn't carry over to the play like you say. I don't have the answer for that. That would be a great question for the coaching staff. Um, you know, I guess on the bright spot, they haven't been killed when I guess would you call it defending special teams when the Packers have to punt or have to kick off they haven't been killed they've given up some big returns but there have been years gone by where they've been worse in coverage so at least they're decent that way but you know it when you talk about returning kickoffs or returning punts and we've already talked that you return punts more than you do kickoffs these days you know, that is, like Eric said, that is such an, a forgotten part of the ball game. It's it's field position. If you can just get, if, if every now and then you could just get a 25-yard a return or something like that, and you eliminate two first downs that you have to get, it's huge, and they just can't find a way to do that. The Packers, in the first four games of the
4: year, we'll get back into the regular uh, aspect of this, uh, put up 152 points, the most in team history through four games since Green Bay joined back in 1921. It goes back to the offense. For And they really haven't, to be honest with you, they haven't punted a ton. I mean, this is a team that scores uh, on its opening drive every game so far this season, Eric. And offensively, the scripted plays have been very, very good. They've had a flow. They've had a rhythm. The only time they got out of it is when they fell behind. But I keep talking about the potential, what Aaron Rodgers brings to the table. But when you start to look and analyze the offensive play, you know, I, we kind of alluded to it. You take a guy like Lucas Patrick, you take a guy like uh, Rick Wagner, uh, you look at what Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones. Now, we were talking about this earlier today, but Aaron Jones, that guy's making money. How much money do you think he's going to be making come next season?
0: Oh, a lot more than me, I'll tell you that much. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Jeez, that, it's hard because of the salary cap is shrinking. So I think there's going to be a, there's going to be a glut of talent on the market. There are teams that are going to have to cut guys just to get to that number. So I think there's a couple things that are going bad here. A, the number is going to be down, and and B, there is going to be a glut of talent on the market because teams are going to have no other choice but to cut good players.
4: Is next I, year you know, r- okay? Go ahead.
0: I don't know, $10 million, 12 million.
4: Do the Packers afford to pay him that?
0: I don't know. They're gonna have. They can't pay everybody, especially with the cap where they're at. I don't. Maybe even less. I'm not sure.
4: Uh, rookie, when we talk about uh, guys making less or not being here, if you had to keep one or the other, the, considering the way that we've watched the offensive line play, it was always thought that you could never get rid of David Bakhtiari. You needed to protect the backside of Aaron Rodgers. They haven't faced these staunch defenses, but do you think that the Packers have found another left tackle, or do you think that still left tackle is such a rare commodity
3: when you have a pro bowler, you cannot let David Bakhtiari walk out the door? Bill, I'm so glad that you brought that up and asked me that question because I've been talking about this on my show in the morning for the past week or so. I would I would pause before I sign David Bakhtiari to another big contract or another contract because of the way that the offensive line is played. I could see, you know, if if I had to choose between David Bontiari and Corey Lindsley right now, I think I'd go with Corey Lindsley. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I would never have said this at the beginning of the season. But the way Elton Jenkins has played, I would have Elton Jenkins at my left tackle. I'd have Lucas Patrick at my guard. I'd have Corey Lindsley at my center. John Runyon would be my right guard and then I'd have Billy Turner at right tackle next year you know when you talk about money and Eric brings up the fact that the uh salary cap is shrinking to maybe as low as uh, $175 million next year. You're talking about Ronnie Stanley just signed a $100 million contract extension with the Baltimore Ravens a week ago or so, with about $65 million guaranteed. The Colts, before the beginning of the season, signed their center Ryan Kelly to a four-year contract extension with about $35 million guaranteed. I would pause before, and that's not an indictment of David Bakhtiari, because we know how good he is. He's a great left tackle. But you got to start talking about return on your investment. Can you get by? Do you have a guy that's nearly as good that's going to cost a whole lot less and, and spend that money elsewhere? And if you're talking about signing Aaron Jones or how much he's going to get, I might collectively take that money and sign Aaron Jones. And I would go as far as saying – You might not sign either one of them back, Bakhtiari or Lindsley, where maybe Lucas Patrick becomes your center and you're out there looking for a guard. And I don't know if he's on the team or if it's a draft pick or if it's a free agent or what have you. But I would I would think twice before I sign David Bakhtiari.
4: Let's do this. We'll pick up where we left off on that comment when we come back. I want to go a little bit further into this. And then after that, after the bottom of the hour, we're going to get into our picks for around the rest of the uh, rest of the National Football League, including the game that's going to start tonight, Indianapolis and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, rookies alongside Eric Branchek's here. We're, I'm Bill Michaels. This is the Bill Michaels Huddle. It's brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. We'll be right back. Border
1: to Border, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. <laughs>
0: Something that I heard Packers legend Josh Sitton say a few years ago in Miami, and that is it's like wiping your ass with your opposite hand. And if you've ever tried
4: that, I'm sure you know. Well, there you have it. (laughs) All right. Billy Turner playing multiple offensive line positions talking about it. Welcome back. We are glad to have you. The Bill Michaels Tunnel, presented by uh, our friends at Bud Light Seltzer, naturally carbonated, gluten-free, and includes no artificial flavors. Go to cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, strawberry flavors, and BudLight.com to see everything they have to offer. And uh, we've got Rookie from the fan in Green Bay, Eric Branchuk from the Green Bay Press-Gazette, joining us tonight on the huddle on the panel. And, uh, Eric, I'm going to go to you on this one because uh, Rookie had stated that he would kind of pause before he paid David Bakhtiari big-time money. What do you say?
0: Well, I think Rookie and I might be two of the most hated people in Green Bay after this segment. Uh, I totally agree. <clears throat> I mean, here's here's the, the raw facts. The raw facts are all the players that the Packers are going to have Signed for next year, the Packers are going to be around. Have about three million dollars in cap space, and that total is like thirty-six players. That's it. So I don't know how you pay Aaron Rodgers and David Bakhtiari the amount of money that you want to have them. That they're going to, or at least that David's probably going to command, and and, and feel the football team that's going to be competitive because you're going to have to cut a whole bunch of other guys, and you got to have some depth. So yeah, I I seriously I totally agree with what rookie says there, and that you got to give pause. If if that left tackle with David Bakhtiari being out was just a swinging gate, right, then you gotta you gotta do it. But I think you got a really solid player in Elton Jenkins who proved he can play tackle. I think he can play left t- tackle. He's got he's got decent feet, um, but he, he's got long arms and he, he has great recover uh, ability. So I, I really like him there. And uh, even Turner, I think, has has proved to be pretty decent. Whether he can duplicate that next year or not, I don't know. But yeah, you gotta you gotta hit the pause button. I uh, fourteen million for that guy.
4: I'll come back to you and I'll say now they are playing def- decent defenses, not great defenses. But is is the offensive line the way it's constructed now without David Bakhtiari? Do you think it holds up against the pass rush we saw last year with Boson company out in San Francisco? I, you
0: can scheme you can scheme pass block you can scheme pass rush and especially with this quarterback they can do a better job of of doing sprint passes of rolling them out keeping a tight end chipping with running backs um i think you can you can scheme it if you're in that dire of uh of help but you got to be able, the only way you can do that is you got to be able to run the ball so i yeah i think i think they can hold up they may not be
4: great but they can hold up so, rookie, if running the football becomes prevalent and needed, does this offensive line, the way it's currently constructed without David Bakhtiari, give you enough confidence, confidence to be able to do so and protect the quarterback at the same time?
3: I do. I, I think they've done a good job. And I know, as you mentioned, that they aren't playing world beaters on defensive lines. But we'll we'll, we'll find out maybe as the season goes along. But... I certainly do. I, I, I agree with Eric. You can scheme it any which way you want. And I don't think there's – I mean, how big of a drop-off is there really in the offensive line if you put – Elton Jenkins out at left tackle from David Bakhtiari. We already know that, you know, Lucas Patrick has gotten a lot bigger and stronger. He was talking about it uh, this week on one of the Zoom calls about how, you know, COVID was probably the best thing that happened to him because he said he'd never lifted as much weights as he as he did during the off season since high school. And so he's got bigger and stronger. John Runyon's proven, I mean, I, it's early, so I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but, you know, he's got the pedigree right, and he's played well since he's come in. I like the young guys on offense. I I certainly think they can scheme it, like Eric said. And and the big thing is, if you put Elton Jenkins out at left tackle, how big of a drop-off would it be, if any, from David Bakhtiari?
4: So, I and I understand where you're coming from. If you can take that money, put it into Aaron Jones. Now, I'm not giving Aaron Jones a long-term deal where it's going to be four, five, six years. It's maybe a three-year deal. Right. 30, 36 to $38 million bucks, something like that. Does that seem about right? Rookie, I'll go with you.
3: Yeah, it would be. It would be probably about right. It'll be interesting because Eric said the the market's probably going to get flooded because we already know that there's like eight teams already that would be over the projected cap for next year, and so there's probably going to be a bloodbath with with people that get cut, veterans that get cut. Um, you know, the the bad thing is, I guess, a couple of the running backs got taken off the market with contracts this year, like Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara and stuff. So it, it it will be interesting to see what teams have to do to get under. The cap and what the how they value the running back and how much you want to invest in a smaller back who's been durable to this point, but is a smaller back and you wonder how much of a beating he can take. And you know, I, I don't know if hometown discount plays into anything here or not, but that might be a little bit on the high side for me. But he, he's certainly going to cash in. There's no doubt about that. Eric, when I look at Aaron Jones, I think the reason they didn't probably do a deal with him in the offseason or at least coming into
4: this season was probably because they wanted to see if he could do it in back-to-back years. Last year was his first full year healthy. Last year was his really productive year where he was actually used as opposed to the Mike McCarthy era because Mike McCarthy wasn't running the football and Aaron Aaron Rodgers had the power at the line of scrimmage. So this is probably one of the reasons why they didn't sign him in the offseason and maybe not signing him has somewhat backfired in the sense that, they let him rack up his money because every time he carries the football, every time he goes into the end zone, every time he gets one on the outside or catches catches a pass or even picks up a blitz because he's become so much better a blitz coverage person when it comes to protecting Aaron Rodgers, He just is you can just hear it, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. So you wonder with the way the salary cap is versus what his productivity is, you wonder where that number is going to fall, don't you?
0: Oh, for sure. And, you know, there's a lot of – we're only halfway through the season. So he could still get hurt, um, and the COVID thing, and and now you're now we're looking at a really significantly reduced salary cap. Yeah, of course you got to pay the guy, but it's just going to be how much. And I think I think the players got to figure this out too. Because if if you're David Bakhtiari and you're saying, listen, you're paying me twenty two million, well, guess what? You're playing somewhere else because there's no way the Packers are going to pay this guy twenty two million dollars a year. I don't think any team probably is going to be in that position. So, you know, the players got to think about this too. You're, I, I believe you're probably going to see some, instead of four and five year signings, you're going to see free agent signings for a year or two to um, see how this thing goes. And if there's, you know, you go two years without fans in the stadium and it's really going to be hurtful for these, for these guys. So um they, there's too much alter I, I I think they did the right thing by not by not uh, re upping them they still got time they got they can reup them if they want but I think it was the right decision
3: you know bill I could just piggy- yeah, go ahead. if I could just piggyback off that I Eric's right because you know again free agency there's not going to be a lot of money to go around so I think also some of these players, it's a bad timing to become a free agent I think at least for a lot of guys. There might be some guys that get paid but I think a lot of these guys are going to go into free agency having all these dollar signs in their eyes and the money just might not be there because of the of the cap going down maybe as low as $175 million. I mean pre-COVID, before COVID hit set in, the projections were that the salary cap was going to be $215 million for 2021 and it could go as low as 175. So you're talking about a $40 million swing there that GMs thought they were going to have in their pocket to spend. And and again, that's why teams are already in trouble and are going to have to to cut, So I think I think some of these guys might go into free agency just having way too big of expectations as to what they can get. And I think Eric's right that we're going to see smaller deals for smaller money, you know, almost like prove it deals. And, and some of the players might even want to do that so that they don't get bound down and then hit the big payday when, you know, we get a vaccine or fans are back in the stands and it gets back to more normal and the money starts flowing in again.
4: Let's do this. We'll step away, take a quick break. We're going to come back and start to take a look around the rest of the NFL. The Colts and the Titans just now getting underway and, uh, in down in Tennessee. And you've actually got fans in the stands. Uh, it's a smattering, but fans in the stands down there is, uh, right now you got the Tennessee Titans beginning to drive the football and deep in Indianapolis territory. Uh, we'll step away. We'll come back. Rookie from the fan of Green Bay, Eric Barancik of the Green Bay Press Gazette here with me tonight, brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. We've got more. Of the huddle coming up right after this.
1: 16 stations strong. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
5: I mean,
0: we're going to have to, you know, with the intention of uh, playing, you know, great defense. And if we want to win, you know, moving forward, we have to um, step up. It's not likely that the offense is going to score 40 points every game. We have to go out there with that mindset that, that we have to be dominant.
4: Welcome back to the program. We are glad you are with us. Thanks so much, as always, for hanging out with us. And it's the Bill Michaels Huddle. It's brought to you by our friends at uh, Bud Light Seltzer. Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Go to budlight.com for all. That Bud Light Seltzer has to offer, and a rookie in the fan, at the fan in Green Bay joining us, also Eric Baranchek of the Green Bay Press Gazette here as well. Time to roll around. The rest of the National Football League, a good one coming up tonight. Already, the Titans drove down, put it in the end zone, up seven to nothing. The Colts on the road taking on the Titans. Colts five and three, Titans six and two, and uh, the Colts uh, not a bad defense. Got a good offense out of the Titans. Uh, Eric, I'll start with you. Who are you taking tonight?
0: I like the Titans.
4: Just watching this game intently because I want to see what the Colts do. Obviously, as the Packers are going to be facing them a week from Sunday, and they're going to face the Titans later on this year as well. So, I'm, this is a game that's not only a good good matchup, but finally on a Thursday night, you got some good teams and a
3: reason to watch. Rookie, who you taking? Yeah, well, since we're up 7 to nothing, I'll take the Titans, but I was going to take the <laughs> Titans anyways. Um, I, I I love what Mike Vrabel's doing down there in Tennessee. I can't believe that uh, Ryan Tannehill has turned into the quarterback that he has down there. And, of course, with Derrick Henry, and, and I like uh, Tennessee's defense as well, uh, but I like Mike Vrabel. He's about the only Bill Belichick disciple that's amounted to anything as a head coach. Does Frank Reich not get enough
4: credit for what he's been able to do down there, just kind of bailing wire and keeping it together without watching that thing
3: completely fail for the years that he's been there? Probably so. You know, the, here's the one thing I don't like about Indianapolis. I think they made a mistake going out and getting Phillip Rivers. I've never been a Philip Rivers guy. He's a turnover machine. I don't know if he's the guy that can win you the big game or give you the big drive when you need it. You can talk about the offensive line that they have. You can talk about the defense that they have, but it's a quarterback league. And when push comes to shove, I don't believe in Phillip Rivers.
4: Got another good one on the docket coming up. The Buccaneers six and three taking on the three and six Panthers. The Buccaneers coming off of that ugly defeat. I can only assume that the Buccaneers are going to come out and take out their vengeance on the Panthers in this one. I'll go back to you, rookie. What do you think?
3: Um, You know, I'll give Tampa Bay, but I I don't think it's going to be a pushover. I'm impressed by the way that this Carolina team fights. Obviously, I think they got bad news that um, that Christian McCaffrey is going to be out again with right. with what a shoulder injury, I believe. Yeah, shoulder. But um, you know they they played Tampa Bay fairly tough earlier in the year. Lost that one to seventeen. They went on a three-game winning streak. They've lost four in a row, but they've been fairly competitive. I like this Carolina team, but I'll give the edge to Tampa Bay.
4: Eric, I really like the, the kind of the culture that Matt Rule has tried to put in down there. Joe Brady, their offensive coordinator, has been solid in working with Teddy Bridgewater. I just don't think they have enough. Mike Davis behind Christian McCaffrey, who's not going to be there this week. I just don't think they have enough to uh, be able to overcome what I think Brady's going to unleash on them. Your thoughts?
0: You know, that's interesting you say that. I, I, I think the Carolina Panthers are, are kind of one of those ugly teams that you really don't want to face because who knows what can happen i'm gonna i'm gonna throw my chips behind the panthers on this one and and here's why i think everybody was was expecting that antonio brown was gonna come in and light it up and go bananas i think there's a lot of there's a lot of mouths to feed down there in tampa bay and i think they're gonna have to figure that thing out faster rather than later because uh you can see the wheels coming off of that thing pretty early so uh, you know honestly i i'm a I'm a believer in, in the Carolina Panthers, and I think they're gonna I think they're gonna win this one, and it's gonna be a very very close. But it comes down to the the last minute, maybe a field goal or something like that. I just I just got a feeling on this one.
4: Got a two and six Texans team on the road going to Cleveland. Cleveland surprisingly sitting at five and three. Not that I'm a big believer in the Cleveland Browns and what they have going on there. And obviously, Baker Mayfield had his has had his issues there. Jarvis Landry has got some decent guys to throw to Rashad Higgins and such. Uh, Kareem Hunt running the ball, and you got Johnson back there, Hilliard back there as well. The, their defense I think is more so their strength. Uh, I'll come back to you, Eric. I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take I can't believe I'm saying it, but I'm taking Cleveland at home and this one
5: <laughs>
0: that's hard to believe especially for an Ohio guy like you huh I right. uh I really well, they're like to that, that'll be their sixth win of the, the season ball. who knew and I think with Nick Chubb um the possibility of him coming back to that that's uh that's that's a nightmare for uh for Houston I think it's, it's gonna be a rough afternoon for those fellas
3: rookie um, I'm on the opposite side of you guys. I've never been a believer in the Cleveland Browns. They've been kind of the flavor of the month for the past few years. I'm not buying it. They got, you know, I know they're five and three and it's, uh, it's better than what it's been in years with Stefanski as a head coach, but I think the Houston Texans have been underperforming under Bill O'Brien now that they got him out, out of the way. I, I think there's a chance that they could be better in the second half of the season. I like Deshaun Watson over, um, uh, over Baker Mayfield I'm gonna go with the Houston Texans.
4: Let's uh, do the uh, Washington football team on the road at two and six taking on the Detroit Lions sitting at three and five and the Lions get a little bit of a resurgence they get a couple of wins suddenly everybody's a believer in the Lions all over again they're still not that good of a football team Matthew Stafford left the game late last week because of an injury. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Washington not necessarily either uh, but just because they're at home I'm taking the Lions rookie back to you.
3: Well, uh, the Lions do what the Lions do, and that's have 10, 10 men on the field for a 75-yard touchdown run by Delvin <laughs> Cook. Uh, so the, some way they'll find a way to line themselves again. I'm rooting for Alex Smith. i got to be honest with you. I want him to do well. It's uh, just everything that he's been through. Detroit may be a slightly better team in this football game because of who they're playing, but I'm rooting for Alex Smith and the Washington football team in this game. Eric?
0: Yeah, me too. I, uh, I really like Alex Smith and I think it's going to be interesting. And, uh, you know, Detroit, for whatever reason, they just find a way to lose constantly. And I, I think they're on a a precipitous slope down to the end here at this season and get rid of that coach over there. So I I think this is going to be a a good football game, but I, I, I'm with rookie on this one. I like the, the football team out of Washington.
4: Then you got the Eagles sitting at three, four, and one, taking on the Giants, who are at two and seven, and uh, neither of these teams very good. You've got uh, obviously, uh, you know, Doug Peterson backing Carson Wentz after Brent Favre had gone off and uh, talked a little bit about his quarterback, and Peterson said, "I respect his opinions and his words; those aren't mine, even though those two guys were hunting buddies when they were both here in Green Bay." Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to take the Eagles mainly by default. Uh, because the Giants are just that bad, but I'll go back to you. Give me your thoughts on the Eagles and the Giants. Eric.
0: Uh-huh. That, this is like one of those uh, boxing matches of two one-legged boxers. You know, <laughs> where, I, don't, I don't know how that could, hey, anyone can watch this football game, but, uh, yeah, I'm would. I, I'm with the Eagles just based on the fact that they're slightly marginally better than than the Giants.
3: Rookie. Well, you watch it because it's a train wreck. That's why you watch it, or a car wreck, (laughs) however you want to phrase it. That's why you watch it. Um, They are both awful. I hope the Giants win because I want to see this division, see how bad it can be in a jumbled mess and how few wins the the winner of the division can have. Look, I, I think the Giants are a little bit better football team than people are giving them credit for, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Look, they have hung tough. In most of their games this season, with the exception of getting blown out by San Francisco, I actually like the Giants a little bit better than most people do because I, I think they're on the verge of maybe uh, cracking the egg here, and once they do, look out! I'm taking the I'm taking the Giants taking the
4: giants. Uh, you've got another red, white and blue team going on the road. That's the Buffalo Bills sitting at 7 and 2, feeling their mojo after beating the Patriots and uh, finally kind of getting some of the respect out there in the east. The Cardinals, however, are an up and coming team. Uh, and I love Kyler Murray and what they got going on out there. That connection with that he has with DeAndre Hopkins is phenomenal. 5 and 3, the Cardinals are. I know the Cardinals a little bit less record, but I'm taking the Cardinals at home in this one, rookie.
3: Yeah, I'll lean toward Arizona as well. I was surprised, to be honest with you, what Buffalo did to Seattle last week. Um, we know Seattle doesn't have that great of a defense, but and maybe part of that was Seattle went from left to right on the coast, and Buffalo's got to go from right to left, so we know how long travel can affect. I like Kyler Murray, too. Um, I'm going to take the Arizona Cardinals in this game. And Josh Allen,
4: Eric, is considered one of the guys that could end up winning an MVP if some of the others around him begin to falter, like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and company. Uh, I just I, – I, I really like the Cardinals at home. I don't know why. Plus, I think I just more in my heart want to – I want to see the Cardinals win. I want to see the Rams win and the Seahawks lose, and therefore that uh, NFC West is tied up all at the top, and that's kind of what I'm rooting for. Who you got in that one?
0: I. You know what – I. I'm really impressed with Kyler Murray. You know, I think if you're, this is pro- probably one of the better games to watch this weekend because you got you know Josh Allen, Kyler Murray going after it, and the, you know the numbers that Kyler Murray is putting up halfway through the season are as good or better than than Lamar's from last year. So I think this is a one of those games too where I can't break away from the pack. I, I'm with Arizona. I, I think that this is going to be a really good football game, and I think they pull it out.
4: And then you've got uh, one more on the docket before we take a quick break. The Broncos are on the road taking on the Raiders. Broncos three and five, Raiders five and three, and uh, the Raiders very quietly are playing decent football. Now they don't have like some crazy good passing game, and their run rushing game is is far better. Uh, but defensively speaking, they're they're not bad. They're right there, middle of the pack in the NFL, and they're just. They got the Gruden thing going on, the attitude going on. I, I'm I'm just taking the Raiders. The Raiders will be if they get the win, they'll be six and three on the season, and maybe people start to look over the fence and have a little bit of belief in the AFC and the Raiders, even though they do play in that very tough division behind Kansas City. So, Eric, I'm going to take the Raiders in this one.
0: Oh, rookie, you're not going to like this one. I, I also am taking the Raiders <laughs> on this one, and I, I got to ask, did you highlight the the Broncos yet?
3: I have not highlighted them yet. Stay tuned. That's that might be a couple of weeks down oh, the road. That's, are hard you me to, me? that's hard for me to do. That's hard for me to do. Right now, (laughs) of course. Uh, Well, if I look, if I'm going to be honest about this too, and and Bill, that's because I grew up in Denver. You probably don't know that, and that's what Eric knows a little bit that I do on the show up here with the highlighter and stuff. I grew up in Denver, so I actually grew up a Broncos fan. But if I'm going to be real, if I'm going to be real here, uh, Vegas is going to win this football game. And Bill, you stole a little bit of my thunder because I was going to call it the Gruden effect. But you're right.
4: I just think that the Raiders are very quietly putting a season together, and I don't think they're ready to fly yet, but they're, they're maybe a season away from ready, re- getting over the fence a little bit. Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break, come back with the rest of the picks for the weekend, including the Packers hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Stay tuned. This is Bill Michaels-Huddle. We'll be back after this.
1: Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think we kind of look at each each week like the you know one week season. So uh, you know, looking at from week to week, uh, this NFC just seems to yeah, like you're saying, be wide open. I mean, it's uh, it's like any given team can show up uh, in any given week and uh, you know put a good game plan together and uh, and go out and beat somebody. So we uh, we're focused on making sure that we stay locked in for each each week, each practice, each moment, and and try not to get too far ahead of ourselves.
4: There you go. Those are the words of Mason Crosby. Had him on the show a little bit earlier today. Welcome back to the Bill Michael Settle brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. Rookie from the fan in Green Bay, Eric Branchick from the Green Bay Press-Gazette alongside. We're making our picks for the rest of the NFL. Second half of the docket now coming up. The Chargers sitting at 2-6 and six guys, and they go on the road to take on the Dolphins who are at 5-3, and and the Dolphins uh, for the last couple of years have been on the come. They're finally starting to put everything together. Eric, I'm taking the Dolphins at home in this one. As much as I like Justin Herbert, I just don't think the Chargers have enough. I'm going to take the Dolphins.
0: Yeah, that's tough. I, I don't I, – I at playing in Miami, yeah, I, I, I'm i with you. And I, I think that it's uh, uh, going to be very interesting. Plus, that, that young quarterback down there is really interesting too in, in Miami. So that thing, I think you're right. I think Miami is going to be able to, to – take
5: Chargers uh, off. Yeah, I think
4: Tua, if you look at Tua's numbers, specifically out of the fantasy side of things, uh, rookie, there's a lot of hype to him. And ESPN, my God, Mike Greenberg uh, slobbers over him every damn day. But his numbers are okay, but – the hype has been more than what his actual play has been. He's been good, but he hasn't been great the way some people have made him out. So, I, again, I, I like the Dolphins. I like what they're doing. Herbert, I think, is really putting together a good season. But I think the Dolphins just overall as a football team are just too strong.
3: Yeah, I would agree. I would take the Dolphins. It's another one of those long travel games, west coast to east coast. And But, you know, Tua's, you know Tua came back from that injury Um he, he's. I think he's played well. He's just kind of getting his first snaps, you know, getting his feet under him. So I think he's he's done a fine job. I think it's pretty exciting to watch these two quarterbacks because I think they could both have bright futures in the NFL. Justin Herbert's doing a lot of amazing things, you know, when he he was thrown in at the last moment after the the punctured lung for Tyrod Taylor, and he, right. you know, hello, Wally Pip. You know, I I think it's going to be a um, a fun battle of two quarterbacks that could have a long, good career in the NFL.
4: And and as much as I do like Tua, the one thing that he has brought is energy. He's brought just a different yeah. uh, energy down there in Miami. You got the big game that's coming up, and that's the Seahawks on the road taking on the Rams. The Seahawks at six and two, the Rams at five and three. The Seahawks got beat up last week in a shootout almost uh, up there in Buffalo. Now they've got to go down to L.A., and they've got to prove who's superior right now in the NFC West. I'm going to take the Rams because I think the Rams' run game is for real, and I think against that bad Seahawks defense, even though they picked up Dunlap and Snacks Harrison, I don't think they fixed all their problems specifically
3: in that secondary. I'm going to take the Rams in this one. Uh, Rookie, back to you. Yeah, I'll take the Rams as well, even though I kind of lean toward the Seahawks as one of those teams in the NFC that you have to contend with. I want to see how they respond to that loss to Buffalo last week. But, I, you know, right now it looks like the Rams are the more um, complete team. I'll take the Rams' defense primarily over the Seahawks' defense, and that's why I'd give the Rams the win.
0: Eric? Yeah, I agree. That, I mean, the, the defense that the Rams are putting out on the field is uh, – it is a better defense than Seattle is at this point, point. and you know what? This is kind of the time of the year where Russell Wilson starts to break down a little bit, um, and then he seems to always pull it together at the end. I I just think you know, I think there's too much on video last week that uh, there's some there's some gaping holes in that Seattle offense as good as they think it is. I I really like the Rams here
4: next couple of games I think are relatively easy at least uh, you got the 49ers at four and five but they're missing Garoppolo they're missing Kittle they've got a lot of injuries Bose is done for the year taking on a Saints team who just schooled the Buccaneers even though it could be a letdown game for the Saints the Saints playing at home I'm taking the Saints back over to you Eric
0: yeah there's no doubt that the, I mean that poor uh, poor team for <laughs> the 49ers you know I almost hate saying it because I really dislike them but uh, mm-hmm. I I don't think that there's any way that that uh, New Orleans slips up here
4: Rookie? No, I could get ugly, Saints. There you go. Uh, This one's an easy one. Uh, The Steelers at home undefeated. Big Ben should be able to play in this upcoming contest. And uh, it's the Cincinnati Bengals who, if their city's indicative of their football team or that craptastic Christmas tree they put up on Fountain Square, I'm going to take the Steelers every damn day of the week. Rookie, back to you.
3: Yeah, pretty much a no-brainer. going against your hometown, huh?
4: Yeah, I can't pick them. It's like that when Jameis Winston was playing for Tampa Bay. I couldn't pick either of those teams. Ever win, yeah, ever win
3: again. Yeah. P- Pittsburgh <laughs> Pittsburgh should win this one rather easily, I would think.
4: Then you got the Ravens on the road. They're taking on the Patriots. I think the Ravens are a solid team. I like Lamar Jackson, although he's not having the same season he had last year. The Patriots seem to be just trying to, trying to get through the end of the season. Too many opt-outs, not a quarterback. Cam Newton's finding life in the NFL hard, and I think the Patriots are realizing it was a mistake to bring him in. Rookie, back to you. I'm taking the Ravens.
3: Yeah, I would agree with you. You know, when you just go Baltimore at New England, it sounds good, and then you realize who the Patriots are, and you go, "Hmm, it's too bad they couldn't have flexed this or didn't flex this game out of there, uh, Baltimore."
5: Eric. Yeah,
4: no doubt, Baltimore is going to run away with this one. We got a good one on Monday night. We get an NFC North divisional matchup. The Vikings at three and five taking on the five and four Bears. One team is trending upward; that's the Vikings. The Bears trending on the downside after starting off the season so hot. I don't believe in Matt Nagy. I don't believe in Nick Foles. I think their offense is, is craptacular. Uh, I really like the direction the Vikings are going, even though their defense is nowhere near what it was from just a couple of years ago. I'm taking the Vikings on the road. Eric, back to you. Uh,
0: I'm going to split on this one. I like the Bears, and, and I think they're going to be able to shut down the run game. And I don't think that Cousins has it uh, to beat too many teams. So I, I, I think the Bears are going to come up and surprise some people here and win this one. Low-scoring game most likely, but
3: I think I like the Bears. Rookie? I, if this, I believe I heard this right earlier in this week when we were talking with some Chicago people that Matt Nagy has never lost to the Minnesota Vikings since becoming the head coach. Good, That comes to an end Monday night. I take the Vikings, and I think this is a big one. I think whoever wins this game Monday night, their playoff hopes are still alive. Whoever loses, their playoff hopes get snuffed.
4: Yeah, I think the, the the Bears are. This is their they're they're starting to drown, and they've yep. got a couple of life preservers. This is might this might be their last one if they don't win this ball game and they continue to trend in the wrong direction. And Matt Nagy continues to be the smartest guy in the room, who turns out to be the stupidest. Uh, I, I think this is the uh, beginning of the end for the Chicago Bears. Then we've got the game that we're going to be watching on Sunday, noon kickoff, Lambeau Field, the Jacksonville Jaguars at one and seven Packers coming in at six and two Uh, hands down rookie I'm taking the Packers in this one I don't think it's a trap game I think the Packers should win if I'm going to have to pick a score I'm going to say 42 17 in this contest what do you think
3: yeah look i think they need to run away with it i think they need to impose their will all game long i need i think this needs to be a blowout and it should be a blowout and if it's not a blowout i'm going to be extremely disappointed 17 points is even too high it needs to be something like 35 38 42 to 10 or less it's they got to bring the hammer
0: eric yeah i think it's one of those games where it'd be nice to see Boyle in the beginning of the fourth quarter um yeah, it, it can't be a 21-17 game. This has got to be – let's run it away and get uh, Rodgers off the field in the beginning of the fourth quarter. That, that's the way this game needs to go.
4: Colts have driven down and kicked a kick to field goal. It's now 7-3. to three, Titans leading, about to get the ball. Uh, only a few minutes to go in the uh, second quarter – or in the uh, first quarter. And uh, there you have it. That's it. Guys, appreciate it, man. that We did it. We did it quick. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Eric, always, buddy. Talk to, you, uh, Thanks, talk to you soon, okay? See you later. There you girl. go. Have a good day. That is Eric Branchak, also rookie for the fan in Green Bay. We appreciate their time. We appreciate your time. We are brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Don't forget, naturally carbonated, gluten-free, and includes no artificial flavors, only 100 calories. Check out all the flavors at BudLight.com. Time for us to go. Have a going.